We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andy Estimate Trucking LLC says, what would be your ranking of Jackson Arnold, Bear Bachmeyer, Tyler Buckner, Cabe Klunick, and Julian Sayan, who had the most upside at the same stage in high school? Who would you choose to lead this year's Notre Dame team? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd have Jackson Arnold fourth or fifth on my list. I, y'all know <laughs> I'm not a big Jackson Arnold fan. Oh, man, people people were, were, were bringing up receipts last week after he went 11 for 11 against somebody Arkansas not good. State. Like, congratulations. Yeah. People were bringing up receipts to who? You? No, he, they, someone was in the chat yesterday. It was at, literally when we were doing our show uh-huh. that said, oh, do you still not think Jackson Arnold's good? Looked pretty good to me. And I was just like, he went for 11-11 well, against first Arkansas of all, State. First of all. <laughs> Yeah. I never said Jackson Arnold wasn't good. I had him as right. a top 150 player. Yeah. If you're a top 150 player, you're a good player. Number one. Number two, are you going to say the same thing if he plays next week and doesn't play well? Like Again, guys, he came off the bench against Arkansas State. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's not be children. Let's not be children. All right, let's go to the next question here from Brandon K. Brandon says, who has been the biggest surprise so far in these two games, the, the, these first two games? Could be a good or bad surprise and could be also be a coach or player. Well, in the first game, I was pretty high on the job that Pat Coogan did. I thought Pat Coogan did a really nice job in the opener. I, I was not as high on the job he did in game two. But I, I don't think you can overreact to those type of games. Uh, because, again, he's still making his first couple starts. If if Billy Shrouth would have played well in one game and not the other, I wouldn't be like, no, 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 ignore the second game because he played great in the first one. And I'd say, hey, look, he's got to clean some stuff up, but he's done some good things. I'd need to see him play a little bit better, in my opinion. Uh, but but either even with that, Pat Coogan has been better than I thought he was going to be. That's a pleasant surprise. Uh, offensively, I, I don't know that anyone else has been a surprise. I, I, I'll be, okay, here's a, a – one that not said a bad surprise because I think people are overreacting to what Tobias Merriweather's done so far. But I can also admit that I thought that by game, two games into the year he had more, he'd have more than two catches for five yards. I mean, those things can also be both be true. 
I pointed out last night, Ryan, in, in, in a thread on the board, you know, people kind of, you know, just giving up on Tobias Merriweather already. And just the whole thing is just kind of kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. You can say, hey, he hasn't played well in two games and, and not go there. And, and I just reminded people that last year through two games, Audric Estime had 54 yards rushing on 19 carries. It's like, what, 2.8 a carry? And Logan Diggs through two games last year had 16 yards on 11 carries. Last year through three games, Jaden Thomas had one catch for eight yards. He was their best receiver by November. Chase Claypool is a true freshman, caught five passes. As a sophomore, he had three catches for 24 yards through his first three games. Miles Boykin didn't make his first career catch until game four of his sophomore season. Kevin Austin had six catches for 98 yards through the first three seasons of his career. Right. Like if you're writing Tobias Merriweather off after two games, you're mistaken. Now, if we get to the middle of the season and he's still not doing a whole lot, that's where I start getting a little bit concerned. I'll I'll actually say this. If we are through central Michigan and Tobias hasn't started to flash, that's when I'll get a little bit concerned because he's you don't just go from doing nothing for four games, most likely to all of a sudden you're the guy we build the game plan around to beat Ohio State. Like I that he's going to have to come out at some point in time, but through two games, I'm not at all concerned about, especially when you break down all 22, right? I could point to six or seven times when he was open for what would have been a catch, but the read didn't take Sam Hartman there. And then last week you watched the film guys, I'm telling you, they were not going to let them get the ball deep on Notre Dame or I mean on Tennessee. Tennessee State was not going to let Notre Dame throw the ball down the field. Yeah. And we, we broke that down already. I just don't understand why we're in the world. where like, we're writing off a 19 year old. I, I remember, um, well, I made I made a comment on that post this morning. I was just like, "Yeah, man, I peaked at 17 as well." So, like, you know, like uh, that we're done growing at that point. We're done getting better. It's just hysterical. I remember, right? I when Penne Sewell opted out of the season, right, the 2020 season. I remember people were like, "Oh, how do we know he's still going to be good on the?" I'm just like, you know, because people keep getting stronger and bigger and faster and keep improving. It's right. just it's so funny how people just kind of. The minute something bad happens, it's like, that guy sucks. All right, cool, man. Yep. I mean, still got time. He's only 19 years old, maybe 20 at the most. So we still got time here. Still got time. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Football season is upon us which means my schedule is ramping up even more than normal. And it makes it a lot harder to spend as much time cooking and preparing meals as I want and need. And eating healthy can be especially challenging. That's why I'm looking forward to getting ramped up with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. 
which can help me fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to my door. With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store and save a lot of time on food prep, but you don't have to miss out on the flavor. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready to go in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, and then we can get back to work. And you can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals. You can level up and get Gourmet Plus options and treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. There are also lunch-to-go options and Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like the delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and more. You can also try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. And they have a great deal for Irish Breakdown listeners. Head to factor.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish50 to get 50% off. Try it and enjoy. We got another one from Brandon K. Brandon K says, how would Notre Dame match up with Florida State? What you've seen so far. Furthermore, which college football team do you think we match best with or worst with? Oh, who they match up best with? Uh, Rutgers. Uh, I, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it's college football playoff <laughs> I know, teams is I know. what he's saying, I guess. I know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who the college football playoff teams are going to be. I think by putting in parentheses, I'm assuming he's meaning the the, the normals, the normies, right? Bama, Georgia, uh, Clemson, Ohio, Ohio State. State, those type yeah. of teams. Uh, Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma would be the first one. is one of those teams now, yeah. I guess. Uh, uh, let's, yeah. say, let's just go with teams in the last five years that have made multiple playoff appearances. You know, we'll find out how they match up against Ohio State. I think there's areas where Ohio State has an advantage. There's areas where Notre Dame has an advantage, and there's an area where it's strength on strength. We're going to find out. I, I'm I'm hesitant to, to talk about Ohio State in that matchup standpoint, Ryan, because they've only played one game, Ohio State. Right. It wasn't pretty, but again, yeah. I'm not making week one overreactions. I'm just sure. not. So I need to see how they play. But from what we thought Ohio State would be, I think Notre Dame matches up better against this Ohio State team than they have any of the past Ohio State teams Notre Dame's had to play against, yeah. in my opinion. As far as Alabama, this is pro- I'll say this, guys. If Notre Dame is who we think they are, and, and part of the problem with answering this question, Brandon, is I, I'm willing to admit that, that I have to remind myself, Ryan, that they've played Navy and Tennessee State. Because otherwise you get too much into the confirmation bias of, I think this team is going to be this, and they showed that in the first two games. That means they are that. And I have to remind myself, like, look, let's pump the brakes. Let's see them do it this weekend. That's why I'm so into this game because it's like, let's see them do it against NC State. If they do it against NC State, then then I'm then I'm going to say, yeah, I think I might have been right about this football team, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be that team, that guy that goes out there and because they dominate two incredibly inferior teams, we're like, yep. Bama, here we come. Like, we've seen that before. Remember when Vanderbilt started like 3-0 one year and they were like, bring on Bama. And then the next week, Bama like absolutely murdered them. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, you didn't really beat anybody to get to 3-0. You might have wanted to keep quiet on that one. I just want to see kind of this team continue to develop. But just on what I think this team is and what I think those teams are, this is the best Notre Dame matches up with all those teams in a long time. 
as far as the playoff versions of those teams. But I will continue to say, Ryan, that the team that Notre Dame best matches up with from a style of play standpoint is Georgia. And that's always been true, which is why the two times they've played Georgia, they've been close games. Yeah. Because they're very similar. Now, I don't know that like 2021 Notre Dame would not have matched up well with 2021 Georgia. You know, last year Notre Dame wasn't in the same ballpark as Georgia. They they weren't. I'm talking about the good Notre Dame teams. 27 was a good Notre Dame team. 2019 was not a good Notre Dame team, but it was a talented Notre Dame team, which is why they were able to match up with Georgia because it's like, look, I, I didn't think that team was coached overly well in certain areas, but you know what they had? They had dudes on that offense. Chase Claypool, all right, Cole Komet, Liam Eikenberg, Robert Ham- I mean. They had some dudes on that offense that they were able to, to have some success with. And, and so they were able to kind of – and they had really good athletes, NFL-type guys in the front seven on defense. So they And, and same in the secondary and, and all that type of stuff. So they were able to, to physically match up well with that Georgia team in 2017 and 2019. Other years, right. Notre Dame wouldn't have matched up as well. But when the talent is somewhat on the same plane, Georgia has always been a team that, that, that stylistically – doesn't present the same type of problems that like a 2020 Bama presented, like a 2018 Clemson presented to Notre Dame. That's that's my view. Yeah. Um, this Georgia team especially does not necessarily do that for me. That doesn't mean that I'm saying Notre Dame's better than Georgia. You just asked me matchup-wise. I think Notre Dame tends to match up well against Clemson. I think Notre Dame matches up – I mean, Georgia. I think Notre Dame matches up well with Alabama in some areas, but I need to see Alabama this weekend because I want to see what their offensive line is. Because the one thing that would concern me about that matchup, this is a big offensive line. And that that kind of big offensive line would concern me a little bit. And I think Notre Dame has always matched up very well against Michigan. So that 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 would be one. Well, so, I mean, the first part, though, about Florida State, Brandon – Brandon, I would say this. I actually think that Notre Dame would match up really well against Florida State because I think Florida State's strengths actually play into some of Notre Dame's strengths a lot, right? I mean, because you talk about Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, they're going to make their plays, but, I mean, you still have Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart out there, right? right? So, like, they're, they're not putting make Deuce Chestnut out well. there, guys. Right, right. right. And then offensive tackle-wise versus Jared Verse, it's like, okay, Jared Verse is a stud. He's going to make some plays, there's no doubt. But, like, Joe Walt's not going to – look lost against him. They're like going to get theirs against him battle. too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like Fisher and Joe will be able to still withstand that. And I think that there are some parts of Florida state that you can take advantage of on both sides of the ball. I mean, one thing that we didn't talk about because of the end result, like Florida state did not run the ball very well against LSU. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't, I mean, they didn't get a ton of push in the middle. So I like, I think that Notre Dame could at least cause some issues inside potentially defensively that would be able to stop that run game a little bit, but at least slow it down to a decent degree. Florida state will still make some plays because they're very talented. I mean, Jordan Travis would get out of trouble a couple of times. A couple of those wide receivers would make some plays. Trey Benson will rip off a good one at some point. It would be a really good football game in my opinion, but I think Notre Dame would actually do pretty well. I, I think that Notre Dame would have a very good chance against Florida state, just because I think that a lot of Florida state's strengths Playing yeah. Notre Dame strength. So I think it's, it's a pretty interesting matchup, to be honest. Ryan, I have a question for you. Did you watch the all 22 of that game yet? Not fully, no. Okay, because I have not. Yeah. This is a, yeah. So this is, this is an impression I got watching it live, and wow. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I felt that if LSU's offensive line was better, there were some really good opportunities in the pass game for LSU. 
Girls. Now they yeah. they for yes for LSU in that game. I now I thought Fentrell Cypress did a really nice job in coverage, but even he got beat a couple times, but the ball was underthrown or yeah. or missed. Now does Notre Dame have the the talent at receiver that LSU has? Maybe not with Malik Neighbors, but I'm not blown away by the other receivers that LSU put on the field. I mean, they dropped a ton of balls, night. man. Yeah. The Thomas kid and then yeah. Lacey had a night to forget yeah. a lot of yeah. drops. So. Yeah. There were opportunities there to throw the ball on Florida State, and I think that still exists to a degree. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think that would be a fun matchup. And, look, Notre Dame has seen Jordan Travis before. Uh, Sam Hartman has faced Florida State. Multi, he's 3-0 and against Florida State. So, I mean, I, I think that they would – including beating them last year at Florida State by 10. Yeah. So I, I – Another big overreaction this past weekend, right? It's like Florida State's a really good team – but like they're not unbeatable guys. Right, this isn't 2013 Florida State guys. Exactly. I mean, I mean exactly. they're they're beatable. I believe this is and a I, team that that had some really dumb plays in the first half. I mean, yeah, they LSU was fortunate not to be down bit more bigger because of Florida State's mistakes, and Florida State was lucky that their mistakes didn't result in them being down more at halftime. Yeah. I mean, it's a sloppy Agreed. first half, but yeah. but kudos to Florida State for turning it on. In the yep. second half. Oh, they had some dudes on the skill position, man. The wide receivers, yep. the running back. Jaheim Bell played a pretty good game at tight end as well. Like, they they got some guys, man. There's no doubt about it. You know, it's weird. I We always talk about the quarterback position in college football this year as far as, like, Ohio State has an inexperienced one. Alabama doesn't have a proven guy. Like, all that. This is the first time in a long time, Brian. I look at, like, some of the best defensive back developers over the years, the DBUs, right? And I'm like, Man, that secondary is not very good. I mean, like Florida State, no. LSU, Ohio State, like those schools don't really have good secondary this year, which is kind of weird. I mean, it's and, weird. And Florida some State of the sec- you can throw in there too. So, and, and and if here's the other thing about the, the about that, Ryan, if you, I'll say this: Central Cypress, we've talked about him. Yeah, I've said two things about him. Number one, I think he's a pretty good player. Number two, I think some of this preseason first team All American stuff is a little bit too much he's for him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, still very good. But if you take him out of that secondary, that's a not a very good secondary, in my opinion. So even there, even the good thing about their secondary this year at Florida State, Ryan, is a guy they had to go to the portal to get. Right. It's like saying, well, Notre Dame's doing a great job developing quarterbacks because of how good Sam Hartman's doing. Right. I mean, yeah. to your point, they're not developing secondary really well right now, which had been a strength for theirs for a long time. And, you know, even like last year, one of their better run defenders in the secondary was a kid that they got from South Carolina. You know, so I mean, it, it, it is kind of interesting how we're we're seeing a bit of a changing of the guard in college football. That's what's going to make this weekend fascinating, Ryan. Yeah. With this Texas Alabama game, is is we're seeing a little bit of a changing of the guard happening in college football, and it's been happening for a couple years. You're seeing Florida State getting back to closer and closer to saying, "No, we're back on top in the ACC." Now, can that can that can they fi- finalize that this year in matchups against Clemson? Find out. But this is the most yeah. vulnerable Clemson has been to Florida State since twenty, probably twenty fourteen, right? In, in that particular matchup, and and so uh, same thing in, in the SEC is is Alabama going to get back on track this year, or do they continue their slow descent? Right. This weekend might tell us a little bit about that, Ryan. If they go out there That's and handle their business that. and whoop Texas pretty good, you're like, yeah, Bama's back to being Bama. Right? Last year was just a little blip. Uh, but yeah. if Texas beats them, or at least you know, kind of bloodies them in a big way, you're kind of like, hey man, it's like, it's like the when USC lost a couple games late in the 2000s, 
right? Like they were still the best team in the Pac-12, but you're like, Oregon's coming, Stanford's coming. You could see it. You could see that it was going to happen soon. And that's what I'm very curious to see about. Because, again, Texas isn't just, well, they just lost to some Big 12 team. Guys, Texas is going to be in that league next year. Like what kind of statement would that say about about where the SEC is is if Texas is able to go do that? So I'm very curious to see how some of these 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 games pan out. Because, like, to your point, Ryan, people act like, well, this is just Georgia, Bama, and Ohio State are just going to dominate college football for the rest of eternity because that's what's happening right now. Like, guys, can we stop? I was I started watching Swamp Kings today, Ryan. I watched about the half yeah. of the first episode, and Paul Feinbaum made a comment, and he's like, "Dude, if, for a few years, it just feel like who's no one's going to beat Florida, and they, they won two out of three titles, quick. right? Yeah. It, it can yeah. change super quick, man, super yeah. quick. And uh, you know, thirteen and fourteen, Florida State was really freaking good. Within three years, they were an embarrassing program. Yeah, I mean, it can happen really fast. Yeah, it sure can. So, I ended up hating Swamp Kings, by the way. I finished it and I was like, oh, I didn't really like that that much. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me let me watch it first and then you and I can yeah. compare notes. So I'm about halfway yeah. through the first episode and I'm already wanting to punch Urban Meyer in the face. Yeah. So. I, 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 I felt like they left a lot of stuff out, out of that uh, show to not paint the full picture, but we'll yeah. talk. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. <laughs> now, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm intrigued. Now I'm yeah. intrigued. God Country Notre Dame Barbecue says, what's your favorite game time food, both at the stadium and at home? At well, home, it's you, wings and pizza, traditionalist. At the games, I usually just do like a hot dog, some popcorn maybe, like something like that. I'm not – well, actually, I, I, I change – I take that. I'm outside of Philadelphia, so if I'm going to like an Eagles game or like a Phillies game, then I'll get a cheesesteak from mm-hmm. Tony Luke, something like that in the stadium. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, at the state – I mean, I'm always in the press box, so it's like whatever they serve. Notre Dame has always had a really good chili in the past, but apparently they're not serving that anymore. So all we have is hot dogs. Uh, but um, at home, I'm, Ryan, I'm a mood eater. It's like, what am I in the mood for? Sometimes in the mood for pizza, sometimes in the mood for wings. The yeah. one thing I really like for my wife to make when we are having uh, games is I'll either make like a nachos that I like. So I just put like some tortilla chips, a little bit of salsa, a little bit of cheddar cheese and bake it. But Angela makes a really good bean dip that we made for, I'm trying to think which game it was. I think it was the, was it the – yeah, it was before the Notre Dame-Navy game, which is really good. So that would be one thing that uh, whenever she makes it, I'll be in the mood for it. But when it comes like a main course, it just I'm, – I'm very much like what I'm in the mood for. I may say like right now, like, oh, pizza and wings. But then like yeah. Friday, I'm like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood for pizza and wings. I want, I want this, whatever the case may be. So uh, it's hard for me to say that. But at the stadium, it's just whatever they have. But I – I've always been a pretzel guy. I was like, if you have a good pretzel at a stadium, yeah. I, I'm going to get a pretzel. But I, that's, I, I don't think that's the question that he was asking. When I go to, out to a bar or something, that's always my go-to is a Bavarian pretzel with like the cheese dip, like yeah, yep. beer cheese. Like, yep. thank you. Yes, please. There's a place in Angela. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's like a Ben's or something like that in South Bend. They have one at the mall, Ryan. They have yeah. really good pretzels. So like next time you're in town, it's uh, University Park Mall. That's probably not very far from where you guys are staying, the hotel you're staying at, I would imagine. I don't think really so. Good. I'll, I'll, I'll really good. And they have a nacho Uh-oh. cheese dip, Ryan. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I didn't think my – Angela got it for me because they didn't have the cheddar. So she's like, oh, I'll just get him the nacho cheese, see if he likes it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really good. Yeah. Breaking news. It is storming 
very much right now here in Jersey. So hopefully power doesn't go. <laughs> Is that why your internet keeps popping out? I think some people thought I might have like it, kicked it, you out or something like that yeah. for some reason. No, no, no. People... That, that one I thought it was the internet, but I accidentally hit the um, my little hookup for my camera, so my oh. camera just froze. That's actually what gotcha. happened there. But gotcha. yeah, man, I just heard a big strike of of uh, not strike of lightning, but a big thunder that just went off into the distance. So we'll see how that's this works not good. Out. Yeah, that's, that's not, good. not good. Well, let's Never get good. as much out of you as we can. So, <laughs> yes, let's use you as much. As, yeah, yes. Ian Johnson with the question: Is this the most difficult defense we will face for the season? It, no, it's potentially so. the most schematically difficult that they'll face this year. Potentially, I, I could agree with that. But part. yeah, but I don't know that it's going to be at its peak. This is the whole thing I've said. Oh, I think they're getting NC State at the perfect time because. Tony Gibson's breaking in a lot of new players right. and they won't be running in week two the, the, or effectively in week two, the stuff that they'll be as a, running is effectively in week nine. So sure. if you're looking at it from a big picture standpoint, Ian, if we look at what NC state will be on the, in, in, the entirety of the year, I could say possibly the reason I would say, if I had to give a yes or no, Ryan, the reason I say no is because as much as I love Tony Gibson, as, as much as I respect this defense, you made this point the other day. This isn't the same as last year's defense, at least not yet. Maybe it can be by the end of the year, but the linebacker play is much different this year than it yes. was last year, especially in week two, game two for yeah. them. But uh, I, I think you could make the case, and this is the case that I made, you could definitely make the case that this is the best coached defense they're going to face all year. I, I would, not I would most agree talented. with that part. Yeah, I would agree with that part very much so. I believe that ultimately this is my guess is that I think Ohio State will end up being the best defense. Year 200, Jim Knowles, front sevens all coming back. If the secondary is just solid this year, I think that's going to end up right. being a very good defense. Because so. like my my thoughts on, on Ohio State secondary is it's overrated for what people think it yeah. is. Denzel Burke's overrated. He's yeah. overrated for what people make him out to be. All American. He doesn't stink. Yeah, he's a good yeah, football no. player. He just he just yeah. not this elite corner that people make him out to be. Yeah. And that's kind of I how think I, feel La- I think Latham Ransom's a good football player too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And their their linebacker, their linebacker. What makes Ohio State to me the the most challenging is I think that's probably going to be the best front Notre Dame's going to play all play all year. Yeah. And that's I would agree. Th- and when you talk about Notre Dame in the matchups, that's the groups that you get worried about because if they can if they can and this is what happened. Pardon me, what happened against Ohio State last year, Ryan, is they were able to win the battle in the trenches against Notre Dame, and yep. Notre Dame didn't have enough skill to beat them. That's what yep. it boils down to. And that's going to be true this year. If this becomes a skill-on-skill skill game, I don't know that Notre Dame has the ability to beat Ohio State. Sure. I, I don't know that they're there yet. Maybe next year when Jaden Greenhouse is a sophomore, Tobias is a junior, you know, maybe Tyree comes back for a fifth year and he's in, got an extra year in his belt. You get Cam Williams on the roster. You've got Rico. Braylon James is going into year two, so he's going to be better. You're going to get Mike over maybe next yeah. year. Benjamin Morrison's a junior. Now Christian Gray's a sophomore. You're getting Leonard Moore on your roster. Jaden Mickey's going to be a junior. Maybe, maybe then. But right now, Notre Dame has to be able to win, win with where their strength is. Sure. And that's the O line. And they can't afford to get beat. M- maybe yeah. if it's a stalemate at times and then they win other times, sure. But, and that's what, that's what the fear for, with Ohio State is. Is yep. that they're able to beat you in the trenches and so have success? I, I, I watched I watched a little bit of their defense in the first week from Ohio State. 
I'll say this. I think the ends are a little bit overrated. I think JT is a good player. I don't think he's the elite player that people act like he is as of now. I think Jack Sawyer is super overrated. Yes. He just do it for me. But that interior is good, man. Yes. Like they got Ty Leak, Michael Hall, Ty Hamilton's a solid rotational player inside. And then Hero Canoe made some plays in that yeah. game, man. I'm like, oh, buddy. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so they're. They're like four deep at defensive tackle right now, and they're all pretty yep. good players. All well, and all they ever talk about are the edge players. But to your point, yeah. Ryan, as far as top to bottom, I think yeah. the inside's better. And I think that was true yeah. last year as well. I think their edges have been – Jack Sawyer is incredibly overrated. Yes. And Zach Harrison was never developed the way that a Zach Harrison should have been developed, in my opinion. No. I, I mean, because I'll put it like this, Brian, is that – he still got picked in the third round, Zach Harrison. He played better last year than he had the year before. There's no doubt, but he still didn't reach his ceiling. He got drafted in the third round off of physical tools. Yes. The fact that Ohio State wasn't able to turn him into a first-round pick is a black eye, in my opinion. That yeah. kid's a freak show athlete. Yeah. He never developed into that guy. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, that's, a kid, that's a kid that is 670 pounds and in high school – and he has like 36 inch arms and he high school he ran a 10, eight and tennis shoes. Yeah. Like that's a freak show, man. And you weren't yeah. able to get the most out of him. Not even close, Ryan. I mean, not yeah. even, he had a couple, he flashed a couple games last year, but even last year, which to your point was definitely his best season yeah. at, at Ohio state guy had eight tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. He never, uh, yeah. what was this? This is a kid. He had see three and a half, five and a half, see eight and a half. This kid had 12 sacks for his entire career. Isaiah Foskey had almost as many sacks as a junior in college and as a senior in college individually that Zach Harrison had in his entire career. Yeah, That's not good development. Larry Johnson is still living off of what he used to be, not what he is, in my opinion. So but that's a different conversation for a, a different day, my friend. Yes, yes. NDS trucking LLC with Gabriel Rubio out. Who, what would be your ideal defensive tackle combinations in short yardage? And who would you want in passing downs? Short yardage. Uh, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? Like is the other team coming out in short yardage, 13 personnel. I'd probably want Rubio and Mills in the game. If you're coming out in 13, you know, if you're coming out in even maybe 12 or even like 11 personnel and it's third and two, I want Howard Cross in the game because I want him shooting gaps. It just depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to hold up at the point of attack, you're going to want your bigger boys in there. If you're trying to shoot gaps and penetrate, and like it, there's two schools of thought, Ryan, and, and it all depends on your personnel. But for this Notre Dame football team, if it's if it's a goal to go situation, I want Howard Cross in the game because I want him shooting a gap, getting low, shooting a gap, getting underneath their pads, and and stop having a tackle for loss. He's he's playing good ball too. Yes, man. yes he ball. is. Yes, he is. So. You know, I, I don't think Notre Dame – Notre Dame's like Rubio and Mills are not guys who are just going to come off in a goal-to-go situation against Bama and just hold their ground and not get moved, right? Yeah. They're they're still going to be a team that needs to penetrate and shoot gaps. And right now, Notre Dame doesn't have anybody that does that better than Howard Cross. And, you know, so it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to have guys hold space so you can shoot your backers and get them free, then you're going to you're gonna want Rubio and Mills in there or maybe even Aiden Kaunana. It just yeah. depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But if, if it was what I wanted to do, it's Mills and Rubia. It's Mills and Cross because I want to pe penetrate. Yeah. That's what I, I, I think the pe the pass rushing part of the question is also – it's also unique too because like am I running a three-man front or am I running a four-man front in an obvious passing situation, right? If, I, if you're asking me what two defensive tackles would I want in there if I had to keep two on the field in pass rushing situations – 
it would probably be Riley Mills and Jason Anye for me. I mean, because they both are incredibly long and both explosive. Like they could both kind of bend the track a little bit, which I think is very interesting. So it would probably be Anye and Mills would be my pass rush duo. But Howard Cross could do that stuff too, though. I mean, because who had the biggest pass rush against Tennessee State? Was Howard Cross. Now that was in more of a base down, though, if I remember correctly. As opposed to – because the other thing, too, about being in a, in a passing situation, Ryan, is sometimes it's not always about your pass rush. And this is, I believe, what you were getting to, right? It's yeah. not always about your pass rush. It's what if they're trying to get rid of the ball quickly. You want those 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys with long vines getting their hands up. Well, that's one area where Howard Cross is never going to make a huge impact, no. no matter how good he is. But he's it, such a unique that. player because he retraces his steps against screens and quick yeah. throws. He also is plays with incredible – incredible motor man like he that is the one kid that if i was showing tape tapes with defensive tackle of like how to run to the football consistently it would be howard cross like that kid doesn't take a play off man he flies mm-hmm. to the football i love watching that kid play man. <laughs> i bet you that he lasts in the nfl for a couple years just based upon efforts and his ability to shoot a gap just based upon those things like a sheldon mm-hmm. day type of player you know what i mean like Mm-hmm. I guarantee Howard Cross lasts a couple years in the NFL just because of that. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to this weekend's big matchup between Notre Dame and NC State, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, 
lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. All right, let's. Here's an interesting comment from a. We have an NC State fan in the house, Ryan, and uh, has this stat line, which is we've known about. And it's very interesting. Falcon eight to eights. What's up, man? The stat no one is talking about. NC State is thirteen and one at home in the last two years. Go Wolfpack. Quick comment. Yeah, uh, I believe that stat is correct, Ryan, and because I'm looking at it and I'm looking at 2020 because they beat Clemson at home two years ago. It's not a very good Clemson team. Yes, they have not lost a home game uh, prior to last year. They have not lost a home game since losing to Miami in 2020. Okay. A couple things about that. Number one, their their one home loss in that stretch was against Boston College, who a week later got beat 44 to nothing by Notre Dame. Just saying. Uh, Number two, they had a really good home win over Florida State last year, but if you remember watching that game, Ryan, Florida State handed them that game. With all due respect, yeah. I still don't know what they're trying to do on that punt. Still, I still don't know. It's like Kirby Smart's fake against Bam and the SEC. I still don't know what he's trying to do. Still, still don't understand oh. what he's trying to do. Oh. They beat Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, UConn, Florida State. They beat a really bad Virginia Tech team by a point. They did have a good win over NC State, and then they lost to Boston College at home. 2021, they had a good win over a not very good Clemson team by six. Beat Louisiana Tech, Furman, South Florida, Louisville, Syracuse, and a good win over North Carolina. Right. So, with all due respect, and and it doesn't take away because look, here's the fun. I've, I had a couple NC State fans like post on the thing. They're like talking about how like we're not respecting the NC State, NC State defense, and I'm like, if you're watching our show and you're coming away with the impression that we're not being respectful to the NC State defense. You're just some strange person who who doesn't understand what anyone is talking about. Like we've we I've caught so much flack from Notre Dame fans this week for how much I've praised NC State's defense, which is fine. I mean, it's part of the fun of doing this is is the debate part about it, right? Sure. But it, it, it but we also have to you know let's not overhype it, and that's not exactly like a juggernaut of a home stretch, you know, no. last season. It's not like you they beat they oh they beat Clemson. That's well, it's a good name win, but let's not forget who that Clemson team was in 2021. Right? right. I mean, oh, they beat North Carolina in 2021. Yeah, it's a good win. It's a good win. Uh, North Carolina went six and seven that year. Right. Right. I mean, you know, Clemson barely beat Georgia Tech the week before they lost to NC State and barely beat Boston College the next week and barely beat Syracuse the next week and lost to Pitt the next week. I mean that was not a very good Clemson team. I, I and again, the I last say, time Notre Dame played Clemson at home, they beat them by yeah. third twenty-one. I, I hate I hate these stats sometimes too. And again, this is all due respect intended. But like, it doesn't matter anymore what twenty twenty-two NC State did. It doesn't matter anymore. Twenty twenty-one NC State. It doesn't matter. We're talking about the twenty twenty-three team. Right. Are they the same team? I mean, is Drake Thomas still playing? Is Isaiah Moore still playing? Is Devin Leary still playing? Is Devin Carter and and Thayer Thomas still at wide receiver. Like these are different football teams at this point. So I, I believe that Notre Dame is going to win on Saturday because I think that they are the better football team. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't care about the trends of they've won 28 straight AC games. I well, think that they're a better team than NC because State. Because it gives context, right? Sure. And what's more impressive? The no, the 28 wins that Notre Dame has racked up or the 13 and one that NC State has. Right? right. Because lost in the conversation about Notre Dame's 
you know, record at home or record against the ACC, you know, last year, let's see, they went one, two, two and oh on the road mm-hmm. against the ACC last year. They went one, two, three and oh the year before, beat Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Okay. 2020, they went one, two, three, four and oh on the road in the ACC, beat North Carolina, who was good that year by 14, beat Boston College by 14, beat Georgia Tech by 18, beat Pitt by 42. Uh, you know, in, in in those road games, I should have mentioned last year they beat North Carolina by 13, and it wasn't that close. And they beat Syracuse by 17. Uh, and so again, some context to how convincing those games were: beat Louisville on the road by 18, beat Duke on the road by 31. Uh, those were the road games. 2018, they played Wake Forest on the road, beat them by 29. Played Virginia Tech on the road, beat them by 23. Played Syracuse on a neutral field, beat him by 33. So if you want to go back to past seasons and bring in that context, Ryan, like he's doing, what's more impressive? What NC State did the last two years against the teams that we routed off, or the fact that Notre Dame has not only won, has not lost a road game against an ACC team since 2017, the majority of them have been double-digit wins. I think I think I did this fact in, in Notre Dame's twenty-eight road uh, regular season wins in a row against the ACC, twenty-two of them have been by double digits. Yeah, I some of those stats sometimes, man, are just so like guys. I heard one this morning. This was a great one. Cal has won three straight games against SEC opponents because I think they're playing an SEC team this week. And I'm like, well, I don't it's think like, that really yeah. matters. As and much. when was the last time they beat an SEC team? Did they mention that? It was like since 2007, I think, was the three games or something like that. Like, it's a long stretch. Come on, guys. Just, yeah, some of like, these what are we talking about here? <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah, we have given all due respect to NC State, but the fact is, is they have not played a team at home like this one. Now, if they beat Notre Dame this weekend, that's a huge win for NC State. Oh, no doubt. Because this is a very good Notre Dame team. Yeah, but yes, there's there's a okay. reason they're a seven and a half point home dog to Notre Dame. Yeah, thank you for coming into the channel though. I was yes, appreciate when and this is a very respectful comment. Fans. Very respectful comment. I mean, I got no problem yeah. with it, but it's just it, it just lacks some context in my opinion. We had God Country Notre Dame Barbecue said all time offense include quarterback, two running backs, tight end, and three wide receivers. O line unit use all college football teams. Wow. I mean, again, I can only go with. With what I've seen, yeah, and you know, with what I've seen at quarterback, if I can make a team for a year yeah. with the offense that I would run, I'm, I'm Joe Burrow's my quarterback. So, yeah, um, who would my would running backs be, be? I would also I, be Joe Burrow at quarterback. Yeah. I would also be Joe Burrow. I would have Derek Henry would be one of my running backs. The other one would be my starter would be Barry Sanders for my two running backs, just because I want that. Reason I get Derrick Henry's, I want that big physical, just punisher to complement with Barry Sanders. Yeah. And his last year was silly too, over yes. thousand yards. So, yes. Yeah. My three receivers, and again, this is the offense that I would run. I'd have Randy Moss be my, one of my receivers. I would have Rocket Ismail as one of my receivers, and I would probably go with probably Calvin Johnson. So I'd have Calvin Johnson as my boundary. I have Randy Moss as my as my Z. And I have Rocket as my slot, and my tight end would be Kyle Pitts. That would be my team. Now, because why am I going with that team? Well, I'm going to spread you out because that's what Barry Sanders thrives in inside, outside zone, out of 11 personnel. 
and I'm going to throw the heck out of the football when I'm not handing it off to Barry Sanders and Derrick Henry. That's that's what I would do. Now, there's a lot of other tight ends you could you could consider for that conversation. There's been some great tight ends over the years. You could go with Michael Mayer if you wanted more of a, a bigger-bodied guy. I mean, there's just been tons of – I mean, TJ Hawkinson was a heck of a college tight end. There's been plenty of great tight ends. But building the team that I the way I would, that would be what I would have. My offensive line, Ryan, and this is just off the top of my head, Orlando Pace is one of my tackles. Jonathan Ogden's my other tackle. Quentin Nelson's one of my guards. Um, I'm biased here. Jeff Fain's my center. That's pure bias. I'll admit it's pure bias, but I love Jeff Fain. He'd be my center. Who my other guard would be? I'd have to think about that one, Ryan. Just nobody's popping off the top of my head of, of another just great college guard. I'm sure. sure I'm missing somebody, but that that would be kind of where I would go with that. So of players that I remember vividly, mm-hmm. not just seeing highlights of, it would be Joe Burrow at quarterback. My two running backs would probably be Adrian Peterson at Oklahoma, which, I mean, his freshman year especially, he was just stupid, man. Like, he was mm-hmm. so good. I'd probably go Adrian Peterson. Second running back is a little tough, man. Like Derrick Henry did pop into my mind. I probably want a guy that could catch the ball. Maybe Christian McCaffrey at Stanford. Like what about Reggie Bush? Dynamic. Oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Reggie Bush. Honorable mention, all purpose to Christian McCaffrey is like my receiving running back. If I couldn't have big. Barry Sanders, Ryan, because let's yeah. say that was before my time, then I would take Reggie. Reggie Bush would be my replacement for him. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, Reggie Bush and Adrian Peterson as running backs. Wide receivers just based on college teams. I'm not talking NFL here, but one would be Justin Blackman for me. 100% would be. Mm, yeah, he you've always been very high on that nuts, one. Nuts, man. He was nuts for a couple years there in college, man. Absolutely nuts. He'd be one. Calvin Johnson would be another. And then I'll throw the Notre Dame bias in here, and I'll say that Will Fuller is going to be my deep threat, a wide receiver. I assume you you never really saw Randy Moss play is what you're, what you're saying. No, nah, just, just the you NFL. Said guys so. that you've seen. Makes, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely don't vividly remember Randy Moss at Marshall. Yeah. I definitely don't. So That's fair. those three tight end might be a low recency, but like I'd be Brock Bowers for me. <laughs> like Brock Bowers is really good, man. Yeah. <laughs> really good player. Um, I'll do him. Offensive line would uh, Quentin Nelson would definitely be one of my guards. There's no doubt about that. I would go Joe Thomas at left tackle. Right. I never tackle. really saw. I never really saw him in college a whole lot. Yeah, to be oh, he's a great man. He was yeah. just like one of those. He's like he was like he's like what Joe Walt is now. It was just like which he's he getting criticized rest. for. <laughs> yeah, What's that? just does his job every oh, single man. time. Just did not lose rest. I, some man. some of the takes Ryan I'm seeing on Joe Walt. We just he doesn't have dominant film. I'm like then you don't know what dominant film is. Oh uh, yeah, Joe don't Walt don't pay attention film. to that former NFL yeah. scout guy. He well, he's not the only one that I've seen him. Like that's the crazy thing. I've actually seen other people make like Dane Brugler made a somewhat similar comment, which kind of floored me a little bit but anyway that's please continue i'm sorry no no that's a, that's a weird one for dane that's very strange another offensive tackle oh man it's tough there's been so many good ones that mm-hmm. i remember i mean not alex leatherwood huh hmm i'm surprised that one's not just coming uh, to you right away i i i remember saying for the draft i was like alex leatherwood is going to go in the first round because the nfl sucks at, at evaluating offensive yeah. tackles even worse than quarterbacks in my opinion by the way yeah. but that's another conversation for another yeah. day man offensive tackle just so many guys, man, that I could pick from. Like, I would love to go Orlando Pace because I remember him with the Rams, but I don't remember him at Ohio State. I've just seen highlights of Orlando Pace. I can't really pick him in this scenario. Yeah, that's a little bit. I mean, that was kind of back in the similar to the Randy Moss era. It was the same kind of era. Yeah. Man, I, I might have to pass on the other tackle for a second. I can't. I can't even think of another one that was like, like you said. There's been a guy. lot of good ones, though. I mean, 
Yeah. Um, even just recently, even the last five years, there's been some really, really, I mean, seven, eight years. Yeah. Trent, oh, Stanley, I, I, I'll, I'll throw Trent Williams at right tackle when he was at Oklahoma. Let's throw Trent Williams at right tackle. Quentin Nelson at guard. David DeCastro at Stanford was a Yeah, he was pretty good. Dude. <laughs> he was yeah, he was pretty dude. good. Center, give me Tyler Linderbaum that just played at Iowa. That kid was phenomenal. He was so, pretty good. Um, DeCastro was pretty good in the NFL before injuries. It, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't he also pretty good in the NFL he, before the injuries? He's, He's probably going to be one of those guys that's like a borderline Hall of Famer in the yeah. NFL for several years. He's yeah. going to be one of those guys. He was fantastic. Yep. All right. Here we go. Ryan, This I'll, I'll ask this one because you can answer it quickly. You actually have an uh, – Ryan has an article that was published on uh, IrishBreakdown.com within the last 10 minutes that addresses yep. some of the Notre Dame recruits that are visiting other places. That's now a new feature we're doing, by the way, that Ryan's doing every week where – We'll have the article of who's visiting Notre Dame on weekends of home games, but he's also kind of putting in where top targets are visiting uh, at other places as well. But Ian Johnson asked Ryan, are there any recruits we're targeting to be at the NC State game? Yeah, yeah there's there's two actually that are Notre Dame has offers out to. They're both North, North Carolina guys. One is Jordan Young, safety in the 2025 class, who is a I, – I, I put in my article and I believe that. I think that he's the best safety in the 2025 class, yeah. just my opinion. He's been to Notre Dame, obviously, this past offseason. But yeah, momentum's just kind of died a little bit, right? Like, you need to start to impress him a little bit. And I think seeing Notre Dame in person is going to be pretty big for Jordan Young. The other one is Isaiah Campbell, who's a defensive lineman out of the state of North Carolina. Well, he's listed between 6'4", 6'5", 265, 275, depending what platform you look at. So he's a bigger body kid. He put Notre Dame this offseason in his top 10 but he's never been to Notre Dame. So like maybe seeing him in person will continue to bolster that interest, hopefully. So Jordan Young, safety out of the state of North Carolina, and Isaiah Campbell, defensive end, defensive lineman out of the state of North Carolina as well. I'm surprised they're not having more guys be at their game this weekend, like more of the bigger name it was, guys. It was a very small list, man. It yeah. wasn't even that many 2025 kids in general, and those are the only yeah. two that had Notre Dame offers on that list. So it was weird. Yeah. I, well, I have you know why? Because there's a stupid list for the Texas Alabama game. That's, like, that's, that's also true. Yeah. That's also true. It's also yeah. true. Right. Next one is from Ian Johnston with back to back. What do you anticipate being the bigger game with the most ramifications in the regular season across college football? I mean, I I can't tell you just one. I, there's a few games yeah. to me that could have big ramifications this season because again, this is a potential. And, and Ryan, you and I have been hinting about this all off season. There's a potential for a power shift in college football this year, with yeah. just where teams are. And I'm not talking about like Georgia not repeating or not repeating. I, I I don't expect Georgia to win it all this year. It's a you can't win it every year. That doesn't mean Georgia's still not an elite team because they're going to be right back at it next year and, and and all that type of stuff if they don't win it this year. What I'm referring to are sort of like some of the recent dynasties just not being that anymore. Right. Or some teams that if you don't step it up this year, you could find yourself losing a lot of luster. And those are the games that I look at. And then there's also teams like Notre Dame and Florida State that have the chance to kind of have that we're back moments, right? And And those are teams that I kind of look at. Like so Clemson, Florida State in three weeks. Well, it's now two weeks from tomorrow. That's a big one because if if Clemson doesn't get a lot better in a short yep. period of time, that's a huge, huge paradigm change in college football. It it could it could signal the end of the Clemson dynasty for what it is. It's already dying because they just right. haven't been the same since 2019, right? 
And but this could be the end because this could be Florida State saying, no, we're back to being the power in the ACC. So like now, not only are you not a power for a championship, but you're not even a powerhouse in your you're not even the power in your league anymore. I think that's a big one. I think the Notre Dame Ohio State one is a is is one of these. Because again, it's it's Ohio State can have that don't count us out yet moment. And, and that game. And then I would also throw Ohio State. Michigan is one because if Michigan beats Ohio State for three years in a row, that that then it's true. It's no more of, well, just Michigan just happened to have their number for a couple years. It's now a, 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 a paradigm shift in the Big Ten. Ohio State is no longer the top team in the Big Ten because I'll still say, look, I know that they beat them two years in a row, but that to me is no different than when Ole Miss beat Alabama two years in a row back in 13 and 14, or was it 14 and 15? I forget what the year was. Remember that when Ole Miss beat Alabama, like back-to-back years? That was oh, yeah. nothing but a – okay, you had that just kind of that fluky two-year stretch, but Alabama was still the team. Right. But if Michigan beats them three years in a row, that to me is a is a power shift in that league. And if that's coupled with a loss to Notre Dame, the, I, I think we're going to see a major change in how Ohio State is perceived around the country, in my opinion. But if Ohio State wins those two games, then that sends an, an equally powerful message that I think Ohio State then uses to build off of, right? You, you know what I mean, right? Like, no, 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 yeah. we're fine. We had a couple years where we weren't ourselves, but we're back. Yeah. And we're going to show you all who we are. I, I think I think that's one. I think set tomorrow could be one, Ryan. Texas and Alabama. Uh, could I, be. If Texas goes on the road and beats Alabama – I will not have a Texas back conversation because one game does not mean you're back. Texas would have a lot to prove. It would have, it would say more about Bama to me than it would about, it would say a lot about Texas, but it's like, okay, Texas, that's fine. But let's see you do this, 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 and this, right? Let's see how you respond to success. But it would say to me, Ryan, a lot about Bama, a lot about Bama. That would be like a Bama still really good but they're not what they were anymore. Yeah. And, and, and they're officially no longer that team. That's what it would say to me. So I, I think the, off the top of my head, Ryan, I mean, there's other games we can look at those four that we just kind of mentioned there are ones that pop in my head. And I think you could make a case that depending on, on how Florida state does the rest of the year, we could look back at the LSU game and as, as potentially that depending on how those two teams do rest of the year. I don't think it is right now because I think LSU is overrated. But if I'm wrong about LSU and they're actually going to be as good as people think, but Florida State was just that much better, then the story will be different. The the Florida State-LSU story has not been finished yet. It's going to be finished by how those two teams traject the rest of the year. You you, you get what I'm saying, Ryan? Like if if LSU gets back on track and just goes on a run – you say, hey, man, that, that Florida State win is looking really good right now. But if they, like, lose to Bama again, you know, lose, end up losing, like, maybe three, four games again, you're like, yeah, LSU just wasn't who we thought they were. And, and Brian Kelly will be right. We're not the team I thought we were. And I think he is right. They're not the team everybody thought they were, in my opinion. But sure. that could change. So I don't have that game in there yet, but I could retroactively add it depending on how those two teams play. Any other games yeah. that kind of pop in your head, Ryan, for, for that type of uh, – I mean, you met, you mentioned the two that were on top of my head, but Ohio State, Michigan's one that's annually, right? And then especially with Michigan winning back-to-back years, I mean, is it – because if it's a three-peat, you have to start to look like, huh, 
Ohio State might have to change something here. I'm not talking about changing head coaches. I'm talking about changing something, though, about how they're running the program after losing Michigan in three straight years. So there needs to be something there. Michigan-Ohio State's a big one. I also think – I still think Clemson-Florida State's going to be a pretty big one, man. Like, yeah. I think that that has a lot of relevance to this. Like, is Clemson yeah. recover after this, and are they that team? It would obviously be a lot more impactful today if they had beaten Duke, right? But, like, I think that one still matters, though, yeah. in the end of the day. I think it really does. So – We'll see how everything kind of shakes right. up, but I, I really, that's those are the two biggest games for me that have really like popped in my head, honestly. Because to your point, Ryan, we've seen Clemson do this before, guys. Yeah. I mean, a year where Clemson won a national title, they lost at home to Pitt, right? And yeah. another year where Clemson was the number one seed in the college football playoff, they lost on the road to a four and eight Syracuse team. This is not like, oh my God, Clemson's never had a game like this before, right? It was, right. if if to your point, Ryan, if they go, if in three weeks they smack Florida State and then go beat Notre Dame, it's like, yeah, they had a bad first game. It, it is what it is. Yeah. We've seen it. It's no different than when Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to run the table, but it could. But to your point, Ryan, the Florida State game will say a whole lot more nationally than what the Duke game does in either direction. If they beat Florida State, it's like, this is why y'all don't react to one week. But if Florida State goes to Clemson and beats Clemson, that's sort of a – we've seen a shift. We've seen a changing of the guard in that league, which then has national ramifications. The Cave Klubnik stuff is pretty wild too, man. Like the, it's, it's like Tobias Merriweather that we just talked mm-hmm. about earlier. It's like – it just took it made a second start in college football, guys. Like, right. how do we how are we gonna just kind of sit there and be like Cape Plunick stinks? He's not gonna be good. It's like maybe he won't be great. Maybe he'll be great. I don't know what Cape Plunick will end up being, but like it's way too early to have that distinction, in my opinion. Way it reminds me he's getting the Marcus Freeman treatment. Yeah, because remember all the people like, Marcus Freeman lost his first two games to Oklahoma State and the Fiesta Bowl and and uh Ohio State. And lost to Marshall, and it's like he's not that guy. And I'm like, well, can we let him coach like just one full season before we, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, he we're still learning about him, just like we're still learning about Kate Klubnik. But uh, it's just, it's going to be interesting, right? Speaking, we of had Clemson, a question from Salty who says, "Is Dabo Sweeney a dinosaur in today's college football, and is Clemson's dynasty over?" I mean, I, I I just really dislike that sentence because Dabo doesn't want to do it the same way everybody else does. He's a dinosaur. And I saw somebody else like, oh, players don't react to Clemp, to Dabo. That's, you know, part of the reason why Dabo doesn't have to go to the portal doesn't really lose guys from the into the portal. I mean, who was the last guy that Clemson wanted to keep that they lost in the portal? I'm trying to think of somebody. I really can't think of anybody. Um, like, I mean, some of the guys that have left of guys they wanted to leave, you know, Ches Malusi right. was buried in the depth chart. Right. Like right. they haven't really lost a lot of guys they wanted to keep. Le- Levante Bellamy, did they want to keep him? I know he transferred the line. He had he was know. he was again was not playing a ton. Yeah. So I mean Dabo's problem is not to me the 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 port. Now, do I think Dabo should embrace the portal the way that Notre Dame does? Sure. I think he should. Does he need to yeah. to adjust the manner in which he discusses NIL? I believe so. Because I, I think and I, I think Dabo should be fighting, leading the charge for NIL being done the right way. Right, that's what Dabo should be fighting for. If you believe in in certain things, Dabo about about you know players and all that, and I think Dabo's coming from the right a, a, a good place because he does care about his players. That's why so many of his former players coach for him now. Yep. 
you know, is is there, there there's a lot of loyalty for Dabo. I know a lot of people that don't like Dabo don't think that, oh, kids don't want to play for him. Yeah, they do, clearly, because they keep getting really good players. Um, but he's got to be willing to say, this is where life is. This is where I think it should be. So I'm going to embrace these things, but I'm going to do it the way that I think it should be done. And that's where I think Dabo's missing the boat a little bit, is he should be talking about NIL in a way that's right for college football. Be that leader. Right. Don't just say this whole thing and just throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, which I'm very curious where that expression came from. But, uh, you know, th th those are the things, Ryan, that it's like that's where I don't disagree with his stances. I disagree with some of the ways in which he is expressing his stances. Uh, right. Is the Clemson dynasty over? I think so. But I don't think a couple years. Ago. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it was over in 2021. I think it was over when Trevor Lawrence left. That's because, yeah. and you and I have talked about this, Ryan, since you got on the show. I've been saying this for for years. I've been tweeting about this for years. Once Trevor left, I've said this. He mat him and Travis Etienne masked holes in that program that were already there, right? That they were able to kind of overcome. And once he wasn't there anymore, they got exposed. And and um, so I think it's been true for a while. I think Dabo had a really nice run of about five years, uh, and I don't think they're that program anymore. But I don't think it's because he's not embracing NIL and transfer portal because I think they're they're the end of their dynasty was was before that became a thing. Right. I think this and is that, maybe expedited it a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. And that. Now it's an adjustment period for Dabo in the program, right? right? Like what are the steps to be able to get back? Cause it's not going to be right. the same for each program, right? Like what works right. for Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Florida state and every other team that is trying to make that jump is not going to be like, it's just not, it's not usable for every program, the thought process and how you build something. Right. So how Clemson built it, it worked because you had two elite quarterbacks in right. that, process as well I, I would argue three it, just because i think that taj boyd taj laid boyd. the foundation that led to deshaun White. he wasn't in their same level ryan but i think right. taj beating ohio state and taj beating florida state for the first time and taj beating lsu to me is the thing that that set the stage for deshaun and then trevor but to your point he still had that dynamic player quarterback and he hasn't been good when he hasn't had that kind of guy Sure. To your point, I just all I would say, Ryan, is just add that one kid to it because I think I don't think Taj gets enough credit for being the the sort of the OG in this this era of really good Clemson football, right? Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, yeah. yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, I, it's interesting. We had a question from Brandon K. He says, "What's the most creative play you've seen from Parker so far this season, Jared Parker?" Hmm. Most creative play. I think we saw it in the first series of the game. Honestly, Ryan, I think it was that screen pass to Audric Estime. The, yeah, the blitz beater screen on the first play of the game. I mean, it's just like yeah. you ran right it's inside like a of the slide first. screen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was that hit right outside the blitz. I mean, yeah, it just, nice that, that was probably the most creative play that we've seen. We haven't seen a ton of creativity, but that's okay. I, I don't need to see you inventing, reinventing the wheel. I don't, you see a lot of that. diversity, but like nothing that's like, oh yeah. man, what an incredibly right. drawn up play. Like, yeah, I, agree. I think creativity can be very overrated. I've said this before. I, I think it can be very overrated. You need to be able to do what you do, but find ways to do it that allow you to take advantage of your strengths and the opponent's weaknesses. That's, that's what play calling and play designing is to me. It's not 
let me invent this thing and that nobody else has done. I think the most – I'll say this, Ryan. I think the most creative play callers are guys that are very creative in the screen game. That's something I very much enjoy about Lincoln Riley. The thing that I watch – when I watch Lincoln Riley's offense, the only time I watch and I'm like, wow, that guy is, does some stuff, is his screen stuff. I mean, he's got some really inventive screen stuff. The rest yeah. of it's like, yeah, that's pretty much what uh, somebody else is running and that's what somebody else is doing and, you know, and that's what somebody else is doing. And, yeah, it looks good. Because I would say that that Lincoln Riley, to me, is is no different than any other great coach. When he's had really, really good quarterbacks, his teams have been really, really good. When he hasn't, like when he had Spencer Rattler, they weren't that good. Right. Right? So, um, and that's not a shot at him, Ryan. That's just true of just yeah. about everybody in college football, for the, except for uh, Kirby Smart. I like I like watching the run game from Chip Kelly. He's a very creative player in the in the run game. Very, you know what's funny is I, I was watching the Chiefs obviously last night. I remember there was a story about how every week Andy Reid allows the players to put in one play, and it's always like some cr- crazy creative <laughs> plays. Like, all right, we'll run it this week. Why not? So like they do a bunch of like you know shovel passes and like all this type of stuff, which is just funny out of different looks. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Got a couple from Salty here, Ryan. Salty says, are you a fan of argument sports talk on TV, e.g. example, Stephen A. Smith, and do you watch shows like First Take? No and no. I, I, I like debate. Those aren't debate shows. Though I think he used the word argument appropriately. Like I, I watched this exchange I, ran a, I mentioned on the show the other day between Michael Irvin and, and, and Richard Sherman, and I'm like, this isn't conversation this is just shouting at each other because neither guys like like richard sherman wasn't listening to what michael irvin was saying and and i understood my i mean michael irvin was correct in what he was saying but like richard sherman what they were just yelling at each other and and Keyshawn, i think it was Keyshawn was like trying to like Keyshawn johnson was trying to be the voice of reason think about that for a second right he's like guys calm down like this is what michael's trying to say they're just yelling at each other and and they do it because that's what people want it's the show i don't like that it's like I watched the Republican debate a couple weeks ago and it's just like, this is so childish. They're just like screaming at each other and just like no one's having a grown up conversation right now. I can't stand that. I like debate. I like you make your case. I'll make my case and we can have a back and forth and there, there needs to be a level of civility to it. That doesn't mean civility doesn't equal a lack of passion, Ryan. It doesn't. I, I like passion, but I just can't stand like the screaming each other. And the other thing about these argument shows, Ryan is, Nobody's intellect, like very few people are like intellectually honest. Like, you know, people are taking views that they don't believe. Lou Samoji and I used to do a thing on the magazine and it was called a point counterpoint. And the thing that Lou and I always agreed on is we'll never pick a topic that we don't genuinely have a difference of opinion on. We would never pick a topic and you'd say, okay, you believe that. Well, I kind of agree with you, but I'll make the argument in the other direction just to have a counterpoint. If that was the case, we'd pick a different topic. And, and that's the thing is like you just like with Skip Bayless, especially he's the worst because he just comes across as the most disingenuous to me. Yeah. And and that's just kind of what like like with Stephen A. Smith. I mean, it's 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 show. He admits it's show. But I never I've never in the times I've watched him felt like he was making a dishonest argument, like he didn't actually believe what he said. He might be hyperbolic. He might be doing this. But like when I watch Skip Bayless, I'm like. That dude doesn't actually believe that. Yeah. Like, there's no way he actually, it's just, it's nothing but the show. To me is, I believe this, but we're going to do it in a way that's fun and entertaining. Okay, I can live with that, whatever. 
But these argument shows, man, I just I get nothing out of that. For me, I get nothing out of that. Yeah. That's not debate. That's just shouting at each other and playing to people's emotions and just feeding the the lowest common denominator to me. I just that's not for yeah. me. We'll never I, be I that. haven't I haven't watched those shows since I was in like high school, I think. So it's yeah. been a long time. So yeah, I don't watch those shows. I did see the one clip of I think it was a few months ago. Skip had said something disrespectful and Shannon Sharp had like legitimately gotten angry at him. Yeah. Like he was like, move, let's move on. Like, let's move on. I was yeah. like, oh, that's yeah. tense, man. That's pretty tense. Dang. Yeah. I'll say this. Some of those guys have a little bit more self-control than I do because some of the stuff's yeah. like, dude, if you ever talk to me like that, we're going to have a problem. Like, yeah. did you see the thing with Benjamin Watson on ESPN a few months ago? Yeah. Like some dude said something about like Benjamin Watson's wife or something trying to be funny. And it was like they played it off like it was a joke, but I was like, I think Benjamin Watson, because the guy, the other guy that said it wasn't on the segment when they came back, Peter Burns, I think is who it was. Okay. And I was like, I'll bet you they had some words in the break. Like, I would mess with Benjamin Watson, man. That's a pretty big guy. Nope. (laughs) It's pretty big, dude. Nope, nope, nope. He was a crazy actor. You remember when he uh, hawked? Was it Champ Bailey he hawked down at the sideline coming from across the field? Benjamin Watson. There was an interception. And he hawked someone down. I thought it was Champ Bailey. I could be wrong, but it was a crazy play. I think it was. I think I think you are correct on Champ. I'm actually, yeah, it was Champ. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember that because, yeah, I think it was Champ. Benjamin Watson could run, man. That kid yeah. could run. Yeah. <laughs> He's from Georgia, right? Yeah, it's a Georgia tight end. Yeah, yeah. 